Welcome to Breaking the Underdog Curse for Chiropractors. I'm your host, Dr. Don McDonald, author of the best-selling book, The Underdog Curse. We give vitalistic chiropractors a chance to learn from the best around the world, discovering how they overcame their challenges and achieved success. In order for chiropractic to thrive, we must have thriving chiropractors. Now listen up, it's time to crush the curse. Hello, podcast listeners, and welcome to episode 93. We've had 93 shows. That's a lot of interviews. So um, I just want to take this opportunity to thank all our listeners. I want to thank everyone who's uh, written uh, iTunes review. That really helps promote the show. Um, I want to thank uh, all the people there, too, that have been sharing uh, this podcast with other chiropractors. And if you haven't, please share it. It just helps to spread the word. Um, I like to get a lot of great information out there that helps you with your practice as a, as a vitalistic chiropractor. Um, the, thing, the other thing I wanted to mention is if, if you go to www.thevitalityshift.com, we have a PDF download that you can now get, which is basically the six ways to double your retention. And this is in the vital model. So if you go to www.thevitalityshift.com, vitalityshift.com and you just throw in your email address and you will get that PDF. So uh, again, thanks everybody for who's been listening to the show so so long. It's been about almost two years and, uh, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Breaking the Underdog Curse for Chiropractors. This is Dr. Don McDonald, your host, and I'm heading out to Nova Scotia, out to Eastern Canada to uh, talk to one of our shifters. She's been, we've been working with her for a long time and she has an amazing story and uh, she's rocking it, and I think we, she has a lot of learnings that we can all learn from uh, as well, and, uh, and so she's a graduate from CMCC in 2003, and she's practiced in two different provinces, and so, uh, so yeah, I think this will be kind of interesting to get into the story of kind of moving your practice and starting over again and all that kind of stuff, so Dr. Amy Robinson, welcome to our podcast. Thanks for inviting me on, Don. This is awesome. Yes, we've been, uh, we've been, we've been communicating quite a bit over the last year or so, and we've seen a lot of the personal growth and the personal insights you had. And, and I thought this would be awesome to, to share those with uh, all the listeners from around the world. So I'm excited to have you here. Now, like I'd like to do with all my, uh, my guests is, um, you know, how, how did this amazing chiropractor even find out about chiropractic in the first place? Well, you know, it's funny, actually, I knew nothing about chiropractic. And um, although I have a very lifestyle based, neurologically oriented practice, it's all about pain at first. So mm -hmm. when I was at university, I, uh, I was playing varsity soccer there and I started having this pain shooting down my leg and it, it gradually got worse from my second year to my fourth year. And I just pushed through it, played through it, but it was worse and worse to the fact I, you know, I couldn't sit in my classes and it was hurting if I was walking and I was limping and they sent me to everything in terms of orthopedic assessment and bone scans and x-rays and cortisone shots and athletic therapists and physiotherapists and Anyway, so, but they had no answer for me. And I remember uh, my fourth year um, sitting in front of the orthopedic surgeon who in Ontario, or sorry, in Nova Scotia was, you know, supposed to be the best of the best. And he looked at me, he's like, you know, Amy, we're not quite sure why you're still in so much pain. There's nothing really we can do. You're going to have to stop running. Mm. And I was a 21 year old soccer player, like running was my life. And so I looked at him and I think it's the first time in my adult life I actually really acknowledged being enraged and I was like okay then when do I stop running or walking when do I stop walking if I have to stop running I don't understand that there is no answer to be had here yeah. and of course he, he didn't have an answer for me but what that gave me was 
the contrast that I didn't want to go that route as a profession. Mm-hmm. Because at that point, that is what I was thinking. I wanted to go into sports medicine or physio because I love sports. So this would have been back in uh, probably 97, 98. So really early days of the internet. And I got online, like even pre-Google, and uh, was doing a search, right? <laughs> That's amazing you knew how to work it back then. <laughs> I know. I'm like, what did I use? I don't even remember. How do I dial up internet? Maybe it was a whatever. chat room or something. I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, no, I came across a website, and it wasn't even by chiropractors, but it was about occupations. And I became a chiropractor because of one sentence. And it said, chiropractors work with the natural healing ability of the body. Wow. And I was done. That was it. I'm like, that is it. Because this whole time, I kept thinking, like, there's an answer. There's an explanation. Just, I haven't found it yet. So I was really searching. And as I read down that page, I saw how you could work with athletes, which I was totally jazzed about. And then I read further that you could work with kids. And I was like, oh, my God, like, light bulbs going off everywhere because I just loved kids. I was the kid that loved to play with kids. And, and when I, um, you know, I, I always thought that I would have a life that was really involved around kids. So to me, the fact that I could have both, that there was that diversity in this profession was something that was a huge draw to me. So that's what got me down that path. And when I graduated from uh, St. Evex here in Nova Scotia, I moved out to Calgary and I ended up working as a chiropractic assistant in a very busy family-based practice. And the funny thing is, I knew nothing about chiropractic. It was literally that one sentence. I'm like, well, that makes sense. That's for me. And, (laughs) but then also as part of my hiring process, he did a whole assessment on me and within five minutes explained to me what was going on, why it was going on, how it was linked to my spine and nervous system and what I needed to do about it. And he was bang on. And it took me uh, about six months before I was totally out of pain. And I was probably being adjusted three to five times a week. Like it had gone on so long. Yeah. And um, then, you know, I got back at my sports and I got back at my life. And really what it gave me though, was just the perspective going into school of what was possible, not just through my story, but through what I saw in these, you know, hundreds of families over this year and a half that I worked there before I went to CNCC. So it uh, actually put me in the position once I got to CNCC to, uh, really want to help bring in that piece of chiropractic to students. So that's what I got involved with when I got there was just letting people see what might be possible for them. That's cool. So uh, how did you pick CMCC like as a school? It was in Canada. <laughs> like <laughs> I didn't know anything. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, totally. Yeah. Like that was my only criteria. Well, I want to be a chiropractor. I knew nothing about the you know differences in schools or politics or practice style. So I was like, well, I'll go to Toronto. Mm, that's and so so that must have been interesting because if you kind of and again it would be sort of similar to to my story too is that you kind of when you get the big sort of idea as a patient or practice member and then you go and you even got to work in an office and then you went to CMCC just not knowing that there's this kind of I'll call it a spectrum I won't call it an abide I'll be I'll be more I'm gonna I'm gonna be I'm going to try to manifest what I want. So this spectrum of chiropractic. So uh, how was your experience when you got there when, when that you might've heard some stuff that was a little bit opposite to what you understood what chiropractic was? You know, I'll be honest, Don, I, I loved CMCC, mm. but I think it was what, how I interpreted it. Like when I'd be in classes and they'd be talking about things, I just brought it all back to how magnificent the human body was. And I'd be learning about embryology and physiology and I'd be like oh my gosh this is all just proving everything I just learned about how we are so self-healing self-regulating so that was my stance that I had the whole time and I'll be honest I was in 
from about my second year on, I was probably in a seminar every other weekend for the entire duration. Uh, I immersed myself in and met with a lot of other chiropractors awesome. who weren't involved in the school. So that as my time went on and I was more and more exposed to the fact that there was a lot of people in the you know school environment who really not, it wasn't just that they didn't agree with how I wanted to do things or how I viewed things is that, you know, there was actually some true opposition to it. So that was a bit of a challenge at times because I just was always coming from such a place of love. I'm like, I just love human beings and I just love their potential. I want to help bring that out to the world. I don't see why you have a problem with me wanting to do it this way. Cause I got no problem with you wanting to do it that way. So, <laughs> exactly. you know, I, that's how it all started for me. And, and I actually still have that same stance. I'm like, you know what? There's so much um, possibility for how you can do things. It doesn't have to be one or the other. So I'm, I'm, uh, I think, I was just going to yeah. say, it sounds so funny because it just brought me an image up to my head, like two kids playing in a sandbox and, and one's playing with their toy and the other one's playing with their toy, but the other one doesn't want you to play with your toy, but you're fine with them playing with their toy. You're like, it's like, I don't get it. <laughs> totally. I know. Like there's enough for everybody. Yeah, totally. Um, anyway, so, but I also, uh, I'll say this, Don, I was surrounded with uh, an amazing group of people. And so we did a lot of this learning together and we masterminded together and we spent a lot of time picking each other's brains and really delving into late night, you know, adjusting and philosophy and talking and, and that was a huge part for me and, and meeting you know mentors in the field who really took a lot of students under their wing to have contact with them so that was a big piece for me as well so I wasn't isolated whatsoever I don't think that I really would have had the fortitude to handle that I, I did it because I knew what rung true for me and also I had an environment around me that supported it mm -hmm. even at CMCC so I believe that's still the case at all the schools now, no matter how they practice, like you have the possibility. And, you know, we also had to fight so hard to, you know, keep those beliefs and not have that passion knocked out of us. That like a lot of the people who are doing really friggin' amazing things in chiropractic right now are yeah. people I went through school with. And I look at them I'm like, hell yes, that is what we are doing. Cause yeah. we have to fight so hard to get here. We're yeah. going to take this all the way. That's That's so true. Cause like I said, if it's, if it's just, if you've never had to fight for it, you just don't, you just kind of feel hopeless, but if you're just used to it, it's kind of, it's like a, it's a nice training ground, right? Where it kind of, it goes, Oh, you have those understandings of chiropractic. Well, let's just see if you really can stand up to those. Like let's challenge you. <laughs> yeah, Totally. That's cool. So we got lots of students that listen to this podcast. Um, what kind of um, advice would you have for students that would be going through chiropractic school to kind of get the most out of their experience? I would say, uh, Make friends with the people whose philosophies most resonate with yours, but don't limit yourself to that. And just keep an open mind to all kinds of different perspectives. Mm -hmm. And secondarily to that is to get out meeting chiropractors, see their practice styles, watch them in practice, because there's so much that you might not even know exists. And you'll see and get the vibe of it and be like, oh, I like this. I don't like that. Oh, I didn't think I'd like that, but I really do. Like, I think that that exposure goes so, so, so far. Mm, that's so cool. Now you graduate and you opened in Ontario. Ontario. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about like kind of the decision around that and how that started. So the decision around that was that I graduated CNCC a month before I had our first child. Oh, there you go. <laughs> and so, yeah, I was really pregnant and I always knew that I wanted to have my own practice. Like that's just me. Mm -hmm. um, but I also knew enough that for one, I, I didn't have the confidence in, in me as a chiropractor. So I had more confidence in chiropractic than I had in me as a chiropractor. 
And I also logically was like, I'm not sure how I'm going to rock this mom world. I'm now a business owner, a doctor, a health advocate, like all these new roles. I mean, I was only newly a wife at that point, you know? Right. Anyway, so um, I decided that I wanted to be in a busy family-based practice. And there was somebody who I had uh, met through some of my stuff in school who was very open to having an associate come in. And he was so awesome that when I sat down with him, I'm like, look, I'm not sure how long after graduation I'm going to be ready before I start. I don't know what techniques I'm going to use. I don't know how I want to communicate. I don't know so many things. I don't know how long I want to be in Ontario for that matter, you know, because my heart was always to go home to Nova Scotia, but I do know chiropractic and I knew my philosophy and I knew what I had passion for. And he's like, yep. Okay. Um, Mm -hmm. So I spent three years um, in this other practice. I was an independent contractor there Um, a year and a half into that. My daughter was born. So I think that I literally got by on, um, almost no sleep for, for, you know, I was pregnant or breastfeeding or sleep deprived for three years of that, you know, starting up point. And I think what drove me Don, was my passion for it. Mm -hmm. Um, and the fact that my passion was always about working with pregnant women and babies and kids. And that was my life stage. So I was out there doing talks at, you know, mommy and baby fitness classes with my one or two babies with me, you know, in demonstration. (laughs) And, you know, I did stuff with them and without them and, my husband had the flexibility to uh, either be at home or to work when I wasn't working. So, you know, cause we didn't have family around. So that was a big piece. Um, and then as soon as uh, our daughter weaned from breastfeeding, like, and I'm talking like within a week, I was like, Oh, I want to swear here. That's how I felt. I'm ready to do this. And so that's when I opened my own practice in Ontario. Oh, interesting. Cool. So, um, so when you opened your own practice, uh, was it in kind of the same sort of same area or was it just a different town or how, how did, how no, did you decide to practice? Well, um, I was open to being kind of anywhere, but I had spent three years of trying to cultivate a reputation and a network there. So I stayed in the same community. Mm-hmm. Um, that did have, unfortunately, a little bit of backlash or, or change of the relationship with the uh, chiropractic office that I was with which has since definitely rekindled, but I think there was definitely some unmet expectations there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and to be honest, a little bit of uh, negativity on my part of, oh, who would care? I'm going to go around the corner. Like, <laughs> anyway. Oh, maybe they would care. <laughs> right. And so, yes, I, I do understand that. But at the same yeah. time, I was like, they were amazing, and I have nothing but good things to say about them as human beings and chiropractors. However, I literally felt and had this intense vision of being a butterfly with my wings tied. Right. And so for me to stay would have me would have been me going against what I knew to be true in my heart. And that's the one rule that I have. Like I can't Mm -hmm. because to me, that's really the definition of sin. I don't know what word you want to put it, but that like going against what's true in your heart just doesn't jive with me. Totally. So you open your practice. Now, there's lots of chiropractors out there that are just maybe open in practice or maybe they're just stagnated. And uh, what did you do to get things going when you start from zero? <laughs> well, well actually, you didn't so start I, from zero. You probably had, you had some, right? Yeah. Didn't I, I did have some, yeah. And um, to be honest, uh, we, we started on a shoestring budget there. And yeah. I was just so excited to create my own thing that I was, so, I was out in the community. I did a lot of corporate speaking um, in that time. So I was near Toronto. And there was a lot of opportunities and I love speaking. So that was an easy one for me. Um, so whether it was out networking groups, 
breakfast networking meetings, like all that kind of stuff. And I mean, that was in the days before there was a lot of, there was no social media, right. you know, all that kind of stuff didn't really exist. So it was, it was funny because I was in that practice for um, about eight years by the time I sold it to move to Nova Scotia, at which time uh, the ways to start a practice were very different from what I had done before. So that was actually really interesting. To have such different experiences of starting up. Mm. Let's go into that. What, 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 are the, what were the biggest things for you? Um, in terms of growing my practice once I moved? Yeah. Um, well, I'll tell you one of the things was um, getting over how incredibly mentally tired I was. Because <laughs> the right. process, one thing I don't think a lot of people will, will have thought about is if you're going to sell a practice and then start over, there's an enormous process behind um, actually being able to put a dollar value on what is a business, but that is also something that you've poured your heart and soul into. Right. And so it was a very um, vulnerable experience because here I had people looking at my practice and taking all of my numbers, like, oh my God, I'm sharing numbers. That's like, you know, such a love-hate relationship in chiropractic and numbers, right? Right, yeah. Um, and I was like, oh my God, are they going to come back to me and say, you said you were successful and good and busy and like, look at your numbers. Like, you're a failure. Like, I had so much of this going through my head. And then time after time after time, I had people come back. They're like, yeah, no, this is solid. I'm like, oh, okay. I'm like, wow, did I ever need that validation from outside of myself that I didn't realize I needed? Right. Um, but in my my experience I did sell the practice and I was very happy with how it transitioned and um, I do think that it was definitely a win-win situation but by the time I moved to Nova Scotia there was about a six-month lag between when I left and when I was able to start here and and uh, the one thing that I was afraid of was not whether or not I can make a go of it I mm. was afraid of having a revolving door in my practice mm. So, you know, I'd practiced in Ontario for about 11 years. Yeah. And it was all about building relationship and community. Mm -hmm. And the month uh, that I took to kind of transition my practice over before I left was uh, honestly the most humbling experience of my life because all of these families and multi-generational, you know, people you'd watched for years, like they realized they weren't going to see me again. Yeah. And they, every single day for a month, took the time to tell me how I changed their lives. Wow. And I sometimes, even now, have to go back to that and say, oh my gosh, yes, do not take this for granted. You have no idea the impact that you were having in these people's lives. And, and I'll be clear about one thing, um, just because I think it's really important, especially for the students listening. Mm -hmm. people will have amazing things change in offices. They'll have health changes that will astound you. They'll have limitations they thought they were stuck with, be lifted. But the resounding message that I got for months straight from people was, Amy, you changed my life because you helped me change how I see the world, how I think about my health, how I raise my kids, how we birthed our family. Like, and it blew my mind. So I'm like, who am I to touch that many lives? It's like, that's really overwhelming. So with that being kind of the wind in my sails, but also the, oh my God, can I do that again feeling? That's when I opened up my practice in Nova Scotia. So this is my very long explanation of how I got things going. No, that's um, cool. I, and I just, uh, just to interject there, 
that that's a cool experience that a lot of people don't go through um, is selling their practice. Like, and, and just imagine, you know, unless they're retiring or something and then they don't get to experience that again, but in, in the middle of your career to be able to go through and imagine selling your practice and then saying bye to everybody that you've been looking after for all those years. Like that's, that's pretty powerful. And, and it's actually probably good for a lot of chiropractors out there just to imagine that you're doing that. If you're ever feeling like you're burnt out or, or we're not good enough or we're not worthy kind of thing. Right. Totally. And actually what I would tell, I think that people should go through that exercise Mm -hmm. and I will tell them that whatever emotions and thoughts and feelings and whatever words they think would come their way, they could take that number and probably times it by a thousand because they would be floored. (laughs) So that's powerful. That's cool. It was, yeah, it, it was very powerful. And I still remind myself, I was talking about it today at a meeting actually. My, my staff is like, we need to more, have more testimonials. And we were talking about this. We're like, maybe you should just tell everyone you're leaving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do that for a month and go, ah, just kidding. I'm going to stay. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, yeah, I think they'd be mad. That's um, <laughs> anyway, so when I did move here and um, was in a really nice community, I was like, you know what? I could do so many things with marketing. And I do love speaking. That's something that I've always enjoyed. I could do social media, but I'm like, that's just not personal enough. So I decided that I wanted to do dinner with the doc. Mm. And so this amazing restaurant is right next to the house that we bought where I have my practice as well. And locally sourced food, beautiful atmosphere. And uh, so I just started inviting people to dinner with the doc. And so my first one was literally um, by invitation. It was my mom with a friend, my sister with a friend, my cousin with a friend, Uh, Like I probably had maybe 10 or 12 people around the room that all had, you know, someone I know really well. And I just said, you know what, could you help me out is how I I started it with them. It would really help me out if you would come and bring somebody to this. It's something that I really want to try. And, and in my talk, which I have now done. So I've been in this practice now for a bit over four years. I've done a, a dinner with the doc with almost the same talk or topic now uh, probably eight or nine times a year. It's one of my very favorite things to do. It is one of the biggest consistent drivers of new people into my practice. And it was my way to Mm pre-qualify. And one of the things I lay out when I do it, and I do talk about chiropractic, but mostly I talk about how we think about our health. And then the chiropractic piece I tie in by talking, and I do have a nerve chart there, and I talk a little bit about that, and I talk about the principles behind health and the brain-body connection. But then I wrap it up by telling stories that kind of connect a lot of those dots. Mm-hmm. And um, what I have found doing those is that when I was out networking, um, the people who had come out to these events had a way better grasp of who I was. And it also was like a yes or a no for them and me, whether or not they wanted to come in. Right. And, and I actually said that I'm like, you know what, I would love and I tell them why I do them. I tell them the story of leaving Ontario, like the why. I'm like, I've bought your time with a lovely dinner, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And which is true, because otherwise I'm not going to stand up like, hey, everybody, clink, clink, clink. Here comes Dr. Amy talking to you. Um, and so it, it stimulated a lot of referrals and a lot of people who were like, I really want to bring somebody, and that would be so great. Um, and when I, the other thing that I did, um, when I started was I sat down and I, I researched and reached out to all kinds of people in the community who were like-minded or in my case, I started a lot with people in the birthing community and, and family-based stuff. 
and I just said, Hey, I'm Amy. I've just opened, I'm just opening this new practice. I really want to build up a referral network so that I know where to send my practice as it builds. I would love to know more about you and what you have to offer. Would you be interested in meeting for a coffee or tea? Mm -hmm. And so I was probably out at coffee and tea dates probably three times a week for a long time. Yeah. And then my dinner with the doc was the next step for anyone who really wanted to know more. And I would say 95% um, of those people came. Wow. And so that, um, that became my referral strategy. Mm -hmm. um, and it's something I still love. I look forward to them. I've got one coming up this Tuesday. Like I can't wait to do them. That's They're cool. fun for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, did you, um, um, like when you first came up with the talk, because again, some chiropractors are actually uncomfortable speaking, right? And they might feel nervous. I know at back in the day, like I think I did my first health talk and uh, I was dating Brandy and she was watching me. And I think I, I was sweating so bad that I thought maybe if I didn't wipe the sweat off my chin and my ears that no one would notice that I'm dripping all over the place, <laughs> <laughs> which is funny because Brandy still, like she turned out pretty good in chiropractic. And then I still have a couple patients from that first one that are still patients. So even if you do a bad health talk, this is for people out there that if you're nervous, even if you have a so-called bad health talk, it's still good. It's like pizza, I guess they say. It's still, if it's not very good, it's still pretty good. I totally agree. And I mean, I did map out what were the main things I hope people will get out of it. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that even the idea that the, a lot of the concepts that we share that we're so used to are really novel to a lot of people. Like even just the fact that the body is self-healing and self-regulating, like people kind of forget that Totally. and our, you know, our society really kind of knocks that out of them. So for a lot of people who are like, Oh my God, that was like life changing. I'm like, really? Wow. Okay. <laughs> You know, and then I keep it simple. Like it's like your brain and your body need to talk for that part of you to like be able to work. So, yeah. Um, and then a lot of the time, I don't think you can really go wrong. Like you know the basic anatomy and physiology, and I don't go into any great detail. Like if there was a neuroscientist sitting at my dinner, I'm not going to talk about all you know things that I'm like, oh, do I remember that pathway and the neuro tracks you know, like, <laughs> Right. I'm like, no, I don't, nor do I need to for my day to day life, but I know how it shows up in real life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I think that people limit themselves um by thinking it needs to be perfect instead of just getting it done. And have you found like over the years, like as you did more and more talks, you just started getting more ninja at it and just better and better and like adding things or cutting some stuff out and like refining it as you go? Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and the more simple you are, the better off mm -hmm. and, and stories are really what sell. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The people yeah. get excited about that. Hey? Yeah. And so we do a feedback form after every dinner with the doc and, and the first thing is, you know, what did you like the best? And without a doubt, it's either the principles of healing that something really jumped out and hit home with somebody or it's the stories. And I, except for the very odd case, somebody's like, my dinner was really delicious. I'm like, I guess <laughs> you it for my practice. <laughs> well, who knows? They might like that and that. It's just maybe they haven't had a good meal for a while or something. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So, Depends yeah, how fancy no. your restaurant is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is good. It is Wait, good. you know what? I think that's a really good uh, point, actually, because um, we try to get a lot of our, our like people that we, the chiropractors we work with, uh, do that well, is get the feedback. So, so the thing is, is that we talk, uh, Brandy always talks a lot about the, the intelligence versus wisdom, and wisdom is that the idea that is applied to something and then you get feedback from it and then you refine it. So I think that's a really good idea for people. If you do a talk, get feedback from it, 
because then you'll get that good feedback where you can kind of add more of the good stuff, take maybe, maybe some stuff away that people didn't like. So I think that's, that's a great way to learn and evolve as you go. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, and the other things we do on our feedback form itself is just finding out, you know, um, if anybody has an environment they would like to have me come given a talk to and also, you know, check boxes of, yes, I'd love to have my spine and nervous system check, checked and, you know, names, family members, or, you know, put me on your newsletter, upcoming events, like just so that there's a follow-up and they're giving permission of here's how I would like to be involved or I would like to not be involved at all. Right. We call that, we call that closing loops, right? We call it closing oh, loops. Oh, you got it. Yeah. We, we, we want to know, are we in or are we out? That's good. We don't want to be not knowing if we're half in or half out because that's where the stress lies, I think, in practice. <laughs> yeah. So I guess the terms that I'd always use, I do not like gray, murky waters. Right. Like, I like, I have such a high value on clarity. And if you're a no, be a no. If you're a yes, be a yes. If you have questions we need to clear up, let's do that. Totally. That's, that's great. So we talked a little bit about how you grow your practice. Let's talk a little bit about, uh, about some stress or a little bit about burnout. Cause a lot of times, you know, chiropractors, you know, we love doing what we love doing, but sometimes you get a little carried away and burn a little candle at both ends. And I was wondering if you can maybe explain some experiences you've had with burnout and then what you've done to overcome it. Yeah, I would say that I have uh, danced around burnout a couple of times without fully recognizing it. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't realize, for example, in my early years in practice, like I never once course corrected my plans once I had babies. Like, so you lived your life as if you didn't have babies when you had babies. That's hilarious. Well, no, so, so what I had thought I would be able to do and achieve in my practice in this certain timeline was what I'd mapped out when I was still in school and obviously very naive as well. Yeah. Um, and when I did get pregnant and have two babies and 18 months of starting practice, I'm like, oh, yeah, I don't need to change that. I'm like, are you joking me? So... So, yes, laugh really loud because well, no, but I think so so ridiculous. This is so good because this is like learning from learning from someone who's been there, right? Because you know, yeah. uh, a, a girl, just a, a CA of ours, we just had lunch with her the other day, and she's down at Parker, and and half of her class are females. Yep. So, and I think now in the states, half of chiropractic students are females, and so this is super awesome information for them to learn beforehand. Oh my gosh, yes. So yes, being realistic with your expectations. And I guess the other thing that I learned um, trial by fire is I was so perfectionist oriented, which is such a farce. You know, there is no such thing. It took me a lot of work and a lot of support to realize like, it is okay to not have all your ducks in a row. Like I am now, I kind of have to joke, I'm like ready, fire, aim half the time because I need to actually air almost on that side or else I get so stuck in trying it for it to be perfect that I don't do it. Right. Um, and I guess the other thing that I got um, was starting the way that I did was I had to be very, very specific with how I used my time and energy because my focus and energy and time were so finite um, that it's like, okay, you know what? I'm going to put all my energy and focus here. And for me, starting out, that was very much like pregnancy babies and kids. Like I used to have people call like, do you see adults? I'm like, yeah. hell yes. <laughs> <laughs> but that was showing um, how focused you were, right? Yes. And I'm yeah. like, I love that question. Um, <laughs> but, but in the process of, of all of that, I mean, I was uh, a champion beat up on myself. -er. Yep. And I held myself to such an extreme standard of uh, success and growth and everything like that, that I'm like, 
But when I really looked at the honest truth, like I valued my time being with my babies more than I valued my time being a chiropractor. Yeah. And that says a lot because I have an enormous passion for being a chiropractor and for this profession and what it stands for. But, and even still now, my kids are teenagers. They are still my top priority, mm-hmm. but it does start to shift over time. But mm-hmm. what I found happened is I was 100% uh, Dr. Amy when I was at work, or I was 100% mom when I was home. And it was like, I took on and took off a hat. I did not think about the other while I was at something else. Like the, the work and being present time focused was like my full-time job. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the only thing that allowed me to do both of those well, but it also took so much that I didn't put myself in the equation. Right. And I did get burnt out many times. Um, so when I was in Ontario, I actually used to have to take some form of mental vacation, if not full vacation, every quarter. Yeah. Or I would go right down that path of so like tired, burnt out that I just was spinning my wheels and doing nothing. And so for me, that might've been going away for a weekend, like to a friend's house, but I had to get physically out of my environment or it might've been that, you know, we traveled home to visit family or something, but I needed those as resets. Mm -hmm. And, um, it was mostly working with, uh, I've had business and life coaches. Um, and I've, I've always had something in my practice or at least for a long time, which is all energy based work on your subconscious which is called body talk. So that's mm. something I had in Ontario and I have again here in Nova Scotia. Those were huge pieces for me, helping to unravel a lot of the crap that was underlying why I was driven that way. Right. Um, and so they were enormous pieces on, on me working my way out of burnout and realizing, you know what, I don't work that well that way. Um, <laughs> and I started, I did see it starting to manifest in my health, um, in my energy, and, you know, by the time we moved to Nova Scotia, like there was about a three year period of time between when I decided to sell my practice and getting here and opening it and actually being like, okay, we actually can live. We have enough money that we can pay the bills that after about a year and a half, and, and, and I'll be honest on getting my practice started here um, was actually really easy. Oh, wow. Like I thought that was going to be so hard. I was so afraid. I'm like, do I have enough and like um, gas in the tank to, to really push for getting things rolling? And that part came easily. Mm-hmm. And then once I felt like literally that I was safe, it's like my whole body went. Ugh. And that's when I realized I was in mental and physical burnout just from that like couple of years of just like Given drive, it. drive, 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 and so much stress, and so much change. Um, you know, and I was noticing it in, in hormones and energy and sleep and headaches. And I was like severely anemic, like to the point I'd be playing a soccer game. I'm like, everything's like spotty, you know, like, <laughs> and this is me. So this is be what my husband would refer to as a Dr. Amy moment. Like when you know a lot, but you can't see yourself. Totally. You can't see it in yourself. Right? You see others, but not yourself yet. <laughs> right. And so, and I started Googling stuff and I started looking like, oh my God. My body has gone so far into that sympathetic overdrive that everything is going haywire for me. And if I don't like pull in the reins right now and get my own self back on track, I'm not going to be able to keep driving this bus. Totally. So um, that is what um, I think I always had self-care as a high priority, but then it became an ultra high priority mm-hmm. because 
I love the role that I play in my life and I hold um, the role of being a role model is something that I take very, very seriously. And I cannot be in integrity with myself and my practice if I'm saying I'm something I'm not, Great. which I think is different than acknowledging that we have our own struggles. And like, yes, I've dealt with that. And I do find that's helpful because I have a ton of women around my age in my practice who are completely sympathetic overdrive. Yep. And I'm like, you know what? I know what that feels like. Maybe not to the degree you're at. Cause you know, at least I had 20 years of chiropractic to help see me through this. Right. Yeah. But, but yeah, it, it took me probably a year to get my physiology out of that state. So what are, what are kind of some of the key things that you're doing now that you weren't doing before that helps to keep you still, because you're still passionate about practice and still, you know, love and seeing people and actually in a really good space in practice and a good space with the family and all kind of stuff. Like what, what, what would be the different scenarios there and what are you doing different? You know, it's, it's funny. I would say structure is my biggest savior. And, and it's funny to me that that's the case because I also highly, highly, highly value freedom. And mm -hmm. so sometimes people think like, oh, well, if you're too structured, you, you can't kind of go with the flow. I'm like, no, for me, the structure is what allows me to make sure the pieces I need and want in my life are there. Yeah. So um, I have the times that I work out, they are in my calendar uh, on repeat, like every Monday and Wednesday at 9.30, I'm at CrossFit. Yeah. And Saturday mornings, if I'm not away, I'm at CrossFit. And this is when I play soccer. And this is what, like, so yeah. exercise is a big piece for me. Every single day, I walk my dog in the woods for at least a half hour, an hour when possible. Mm -hmm. um, and my new one this year was, I decided this is the year I had to start meditating. So I do a 10-minute guided morning meditation um, every uh, about every other day so it's three times a week and oftentimes it's more but for me i'm like okay three times a week if i'm hitting that plus then i'm on the uh upswing and then the other piece for me is just my general morning routine and journaling so i do spend a lot of time um actually not even a lot of time but i put reflection into my days what i want to achieve what my top actions are some of it's fairly structured like every Sunday or Monday, depending on what's going on in my life, because you know, life does change. Yes. I sit down and I reflect on the week prior, what the wins and challenges were, what I learned, what I you now need to focus on. Um, I sometimes even highlight those pages so that I'll come back sometimes and be like, oh right, that was an awesome week, what made it that way. And yes. then I sit down and I, I advance engineer what I hope for this coming um, week and what would make it awesome and I could that could be how busy do I want to be in practice to I'm going to get to the gym three times I'm going to do yoga once and I'm going to have a date with my husband I'm going to have one-on-one -on -one time with both my teenagers so if you actually looked at all the things that make me tick it's quality time with loved ones time outside of nature exercise and doing purposeful work so it's funny because all that stuff is scheduled Yes, all of like, it. So, so all your top, top values. Now, compared to before, um, did you have as much reflection or, or um, figure out your intention for the week every week back when you're kind of in, in that other uh, mindset? Uh, yes, actually. It was mm -hmm. just that the load that I had on my shoulders at that point was so huge mm -hmm. that it was still pushing me in the other direction. So would you say like now you book, you book gaps. So you book, 
Cause that's the thing is you have structured, cause a lot of times we, you know, we do calls with you and you're out like at the lake, like, yep. <laughs> you know, like, so, so, so now do you just have more of Cause again, a lot of times if you don't book time off, it doesn't get booked and it just fills up with everything else. But if it's hard booked, like, uh, it's, this is an appointment, just like my, sh my shift at work, but this is my shift at the lake kind of thing. Is that, is that the difference? Um, I'm not that structured with that part of my life. I would say that I leave like Wednesdays. I don't work, but I'm pretty scheduled right up until noon, mm -hmm. uh, Friday afternoons. I don't work, but I'm pretty scheduled up until our, yeah, Wednesday and Friday afternoon that are not structured. Mm -hmm. And so I can fill that with whatever I want or need. Um, the other day was it yesterday, whatever day when I was fighting a cold, I'm like, well, I'm going to nap. <laughs> You know? that's, so you're planning in flex time. So that's like, that's planned. Yes, time. that is my flex time. And yes, that is planned. That's cool. Yeah. Cause I think a lot of times if you just start going, Hey, I'm going to get all carried away. Cause and again, we, everybody does that. Me and Brandy have done that in the past too, where you're kind of like, Hey, this is a good idea. And then you just, Oh, there's a hole I can fit it there. And then all of a sudden you look back and you go, Oh, there's no, there's no room to do anything else now. <laughs> well, and it's funny because like, I feel like it's a treat if I have no plan. Yeah. You know what I mean? Cause like so life is that busy. Yeah. 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 There's sometimes when me, me, me and Brandy be watching some TV and we're like, Oh, we have nothing to do for the rest of the day. It's so exciting. <laughs> yeah, I know. And then you're like, all right, I, I couldn't do that very often though. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. And, and the, but the thing I think because it's, it's in period times, that's why it's so exciting. Cause it's like, yep. cause it kind of, it's just like anything. If it happens all the time, you're kind of like not a big deal, but when it's periodically, you get to appreciate it more. Right. 100%. And I think that's what keeps me from getting burnt out. Like, where I had to take um, time off every quarter when I was in Ontario. I mean, yes, I'm living in Nova Scotia, which is where my heart has always been. And I have family around and like, it is so frigging beautiful here. I can't even put it into words. Um, the pace life is nicer. Like even in like heart rate variability and stress testing, I see the difference from Toronto to Nova Scotia. Like it's pretty cool actually. Um, so is that like, what I we do for our recommendations for our practice members when they have a bad HRV? Yes. Actually, but you know what? It, <laughs> Going like clinically, I can actually see more change in people here with less care. Yeah, because like, it blows my mind. But it, it makes sense, though. Their life load is less. Totally, I totally yeah, can see that. Is really cool. But on my personal experience of that, I don't get burnt out. Mm -hmm. Like I really don't need to take the same kind of time away. Like we take time, yeah. um, but I don't need it that same way. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's a huge. Um, I guess, testament to the fact that I've got a way better life balance here. Well, that's cool. Well, those are some awesome lessons. So I always like to end the, the podcast giving all my, uh, my guests just an opportunity to spend a couple minutes just sharing what are your parting thoughts of wisdom or what, what would you like to kind of leave the listeners around the world with here in the last couple of minutes? Um, I think that I will direct this one mostly to students, although maybe it'll apply to other people as well. And it's coming back to a lot of the things I've learned and how hard I've been on myself that you are enough. You are enough being yourself and bringing the brightness of who that is out to the world, period. And that it's so funny because it's such an easy thing to say. It's such a hard thing to do. That is like my life learning every single day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cool. So actually, and I guess the other piece that I'll say along that line, because this helped me immensely a few years ago, is because I felt like I was working on mindset constantly, and I was, it was like a full-time job over a course of that really high stress time, is that 
it is totally normal to have to course correct constantly. Right. Like your mindset shifts and it can be in one place and you want to bring it back. Just keep course correcting. And if that's the, you're not good enough or not doing enough or whatever it is that's going through your head that isn't serving you well, just keep course correcting. It isn't mm-hmm. like a one shot deal. Yeah. It's kind of got to keep consistent with that, right? Just to, Oh yeah. Just to stand top. Cool. Well, yeah. Amy, thank you so much. I'm, I'm happy to have you on the podcast and I really appreciate you sharing your story with everybody. Well, I really enjoyed it, Don. You make it very easy to chat. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So everybody out there, you get lots of stuff. This is the huge ones about burnout, finding yourself, giving yourself time to course correct. And, and, uh, and when you do that, you can get out there and brush the curse. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you receive value from this episode, please take some time to rate and review us on iTunes or your favorite place to listen to podcasts. If you know a fellow chiropractor that could benefit from this message, please share it with them. Because it's my goal to provide you with great content, please contact me if you have any questions at drdonmcdonald.com or find me on Facebook. I look forward to hearing from you. So until next time, Dr. Don out.